This is Christine Maxfield, and you're listening to When in Rome from Compass Magazine. Today I'm very excited to bring you Mary Beth Bond, better known as the Gutsy Traveler, whom I'm fortunate enough to call a mentor, but more importantly, a kindred spirit and a friend. Around 20 years ago, when Mary Beth was 30, she decided to travel the world solo for two years. When I was 34, I did the same, but for one year and with a lot more technology and information at my fingertips. Needless to say, Mary Beth is my hero and I want to be her when I grow up. Today we talk about a new edition of her award-winning book, Gutsy Women, and some safety tips for women, as well as some of her amazing adventures abroad. Mary Beth, I am so excited to talk to you today because you feel like such a kindred spirit. Your background, the way that you travel as a woman, you're the gutsy traveler, and you love to travel solo, which are all the things that I love, including the cultural aspects of your travel. So I I would really love to talk to you about your adventures and how did you catch the travel bug in the first place? Oh, my parents gave it to me. I grew up in flat Ohio. And if you know Midwesterners, those who travel, travel a lot because we don't have oceans, we don't have mountains. So every summer, as a family of six, we would crawl into the car, pull behind us a trailer, and cross the country. Mm. (laughs) So the lesson that I learned from my parents very young was that you don't need a lot of money to travel. Mm -hmm. And we would plan all year long. So by the age of 20, I'd been to 48 of the 50 states. Oh, wow. So let's segue from growing up in Ohio and traveling with parents to how did you travel for two years around the world solo? Well, I saved my money. (laughs) I lived overseas. I lived for one year in Luxembourg, four in Paris, and one in the South Pacific. And when I came back to the United States and selected San Francisco as my base, I had $300 to my name. Wow. And... That was when I was 26, and four years later, I decided, well, things weren't working out in the husband area. I wasn't <laughs> meeting the right guy. I had I worked for Xerox and Honeywell. I'd saved my money, and I thought, okay, I'm going to fulfill that childhood dream to go all the way around the world. But I couldn't find anyone to go with me. Mm-hmm. I was 29 years old, right before my 30th birthday, and so I looked in the mirror. I took a big swallow of the lump in my throat, and I thought, you coward, if you don't do this, you will always regret it. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go alone. And that's how I decided to do it. I saved a lot of money, and how did I save it? For the whole year before I traveled, I bought no new clothes, no shoes. Every time my friends went out, I would meet them after dinner, you know, Hmm. just for a drink. I started to be really careful, and I talked to a lot of people who had traveled on their own solo to get an idea of how much money I thought gee if I save $30 tonight that could be another day yeah you know in a foreign city it could be two days in Asia (laughs) yeah now the people that you talked to that traveled solo were they women as well no I never met a woman exactly Uh Uh, that's what I thought and so that became my rallying cry Mm -hmm. when I got back you know that women just wanted to hear from another woman that it's possible what stops people from traveling solo it's fear. It's fear of being lonely, mm-hmm. and it's fear for physical safety. Mm-hmm. And both of those can be overcome. 
And I was a testament. I am testament to that. Mm-hmm. My books are all about not just solo travel, but women travel that we can go. And I highly encourage women, even if you're traveling with someone else, even when I'm traveling now with my husband, I still have about two hours a day where I go off on my own, have my own little mini solo adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you love about solo travel? Oh, you know, the world is unfiltered by anyone else. Yeah. I find, you know, I'm much more approachable. I meet more people. My highs are higher. I learn a lot about myself. I question a lot, but most of all, I just meet so many people. It's very intense. Yeah, I agree. I feel like when I travel with other people, they become a little bit of my my crutch. Uh-huh. And I don't open up to the locals like I would otherwise. I and don't you're not as approachable for, to yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And I don't ask for help from others, uh-huh. you know, directions, or even just, you know, mm-hmm. where should I go get something to eat? Or where's a restroom, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so I, yeah. I agree with that. As far as the fear of being harassed, traveling alone as a woman, what experiences did you have when you were on the road for two years around the world? Did you have any uncomfortable experiences and how did you deal with that and were they that bad oh yeah I had some (laughs) you know I was never raped I was never Mm -hmm. harmed in any way I learned to be very savvy and I have all these tips on gutsytraveler.com for women talking about the date rape drug and being savvy and learning you know just taking your street smarts with you. Yeah. You wouldn't go into a neighborhood after dark that you didn't know mm-hmm. at home or that's questionable, so don't do it abroad. And I became a very proficient solo traveler. Yeah. And the experiences I had that were not very pleasant really couldn't be prevented. One was a Westerner who broke into my hotel room in India mm-hmm. and he had a drug habit and his junkie had been in the hotel room before me. Huh. Yeah, there's no way I could have prevented that, but he didn't harm me. Yeah. And what surprised me about this incident, it was in Goa, India, was he broke down the door. It was really hot, so I was sleeping in the nude. I jumped up on the bed from a deep sleep, grabbed the sheet and held it in front of me, and I started jumping around the bed, yelling at this man, pointing my finger at him, and I intimidated him until he moved around the room and I could run out the door. Huh. So when you are called upon... To rise to the occasion, it's amazing yeah. how much of a mother tigress we have within us. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about after your two-year round-the-world trip, you came home, then what? What got you into the travel writing aspect? Oh, when you come home, that's the hardest part of all. People yes. say, what was the hardest part of your two years solo travel? And I said, the goodbyes. Yeah. The goodbyes before I left to my old self, the career woman, the goodbye to my friends, the goodbye to the identity I had. Because when you're on the road and you meet someone, you make a snap judgment very quickly as they do of you. It doesn't matter what car you drive, what neighborhood you're in, what your career is. You know, it's just who you are in essence. And coming home, I had to fit back into Mm -hmm. all of those things. I had to say goodbye, Mm -hmm. not only to the experience, but the feeling that I was a gutsy woman. It was hard to say goodbye to being so special as when you're traveling on the road and all that stimulation. Yeah. So that was the hardest goodbye of all. How long did it take you to fit back into a comfortable whatever that new reality was for you when you came home. Probably about six months. It's taken me a year. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, six and months, year. I was yeah. fortunate that when I came back, I just went to a, a party with a bunch of people, and I met this person who was one of the editors at Self 
magazine. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't believe that as a woman, I'd travel alone around the world. So they interviewed me and did a six-page spread. Mm -hmm. And that led to a lot of other things. It eventually led to my writing and my becoming the travel editor of City Sports magazine. Remember that? Well, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, serendipitous, just... Mm -hmm. So I was able to stay somewhat attached to travel. Very hard to make a living doing that, mm-hmm. but I was very fortunate. Well, you have 12 award-winning books, correct? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you've been on Oprah talking about... Women. Yeah. yeah, about how important it is for us to take a break. Yeah. A sabbatical from our jobs, our relationships, our friendships. It can be for two nights, mm-hmm. but how important it is to go alone. Just get yeah. back in touch with who you are and... When you're alone, you start thinking about the big things. What do I want out of life? I only have one life. Mm -hmm. Am I really living it the way I want to? Yeah. Only when you get away from everything that is day to day can you look at those big issues and perhaps make some decisions. Yeah. Uh So your book, Gutsy Women, which I absolutely love, the fourth edition came out just a few months ago. That's right. Uh Now, what's new in this new edition? Oh, 50% of the material is new. Hmm. There are 60 pages in it of my travel writing, everything from pedaling in Ireland when I rode my bike around Ireland alone Hmm. to going on a camel safari in the Tar Desert in India to traveling with my kids to meeting my husband in Kathmandu Hmm. to traveling with girlfriends, etc. It's like all the ages of a traveler. So there are a lot of stories like that. And then, of course, there are many, many chapters, everything from travel safety to staying connected while you're on the road technologically, etc., to, you know, mother-daughter travel, multi-generational travel, romance on the road, just lots of advice and tips. I love that. So let's talk about the safety on the road again for women. What are a few other little tips that women can do? Trust your instincts. Yeah. You're walking down the street and there are four guys on the sidewalk approaching you. Mm -hmm. Are you going to walk right in the middle of them? You make yourself accessible for someone reaching out or whatever yeah just you know either just go out in the street exactly and let them pass little things like that i remember being in the bus terminal here in new york city and feeling very threatened and i just found a family group and sat with them mm-hmm. search out other women ask them for advice i was going into burma and this is many years ago 20 years ago mm-hmm. and as i was going in i saw a woman alone in the waiting room and I said I'm traveling here alone do you have any advice she had all these notes she gave me so not only ask other women for advice is this neighborhood safe can I do this but offer it too yeah Exactly. You mentioned that you found love in Kathmandu. You had a cover story for Outside Magazine about this, correct? Yeah. The whole issue of Outside Magazine was how to make the great escape, how to take a year off, how to do it, etc. And so they loved the story that things weren't working out for me to meet the right person. I'd kissed a lot of frogs. (laughs) I thought, to heck with this. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to go fulfill my dream. And lo and behold, you know, 13,000 miles away from home, I meet an American guy. I don't see him again for one year. And now, you know, we're married, have the couple of kids, etc. (laughs) Because I met someone who also had that wanderlust. That's wonderful. Now let's also talk about the cultural aspect of your traveling. You've lived with the Navajo, you've lived with the Maya, tribes, Sherpas. What appeals to you? How do you even find these people? Well, very quickly, you get beneath the surface Mm. of the culture. I think that 
travel is all about people watching, intensified, but not just watching, but being involved. Hmm. And I've learned about the Balinese by living in a family. I've gone three times to Mexico in the summer and lived with a Mexican family with my daughters. And we went to language school. And then we were invited to the grandma's house for Sunday lunch and then to the birthday party. And Mm -hmm. that's why. It's it's a way to really get to know the culture. You know, I just really like people. In a hotel, you're really separated. Mm -hmm. You are always the tourist. You need to do a little advanced research. And you have to be willing to tolerate some discomfort. Yep. Now, how did you find these nomadic people or tribes people? Well, let me take an example. Let's see, like in Mexico, Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to language school there with my daughters, and I called up the language school, and I said, I want to live with a family, and I'd love to have a family that has children about the age of my daughters, and they found me someone. I called the people on the phone, you know, and I went on a pack trip in... Navajo land and mm-hmm. I went online and I found a Navajo woman who led pack trips. They were her horses. She owned a trading post and I corresponded with her and she and her son took us and we went by the Hogan where her mother had huh. died and her son. I mean, it was, it, we spent several days with them. It was just a wonderful experience. Oh, At nighttime, he would build the campfire, and then he took the rubber band out of his ponytail, and he wrapped it with some a rag around a stick, and then he took a, an empty, big tin can, and he started to drum, bum, huh. bum, bum, and then he started to sing. And around the campfire, he sang all of these beautiful Navajo songs, and his mother would say, Oh, sing the one about the hummingbirds. Mm-hmm. Sing the love song about the, the squirrels. And and where else could you get an experience like that? I froze that night. I was really cold. Yeah. But I don't remember the discomfort. Exactly. <laughs> I remember them. <laughs> when right. I rode my bike around Ireland, you know, I stayed in B&Bs, and the women were always, oh, my goodness, you're alone, and well, come to dinner with us, and mm. honey, don't do this and do that. And yeah. <laughs> women uh. take care of each other. Well, it's so great, uh-huh. and, and I feel like you're such an inspiration for other women and, and very motivational. I really appreciate that. Well, uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> Are you ready for your Traveler's 10 questions? Sure. Okay. What travel book makes you want to pack your bags and hop on a plane? Any travel book. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's about like me. <laughs> what destination do you consider a best-kept secret? Oh, it used to be Burma, Myanmar. Yeah. If you're going to go, go quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> before the first McDonald's. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's changing very quickly. I love South Africa. It's not a real well-kept secret, but I really love South Africa. Yeah. Uh-huh. I haven't been yet. I really Cuba. Go. Cuba's going to open for Americans. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's uh-huh. on my list. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have so, you been yet? No, I haven't. No? All uh-huh. right. <laughs> on our to-do list. What site should be seen at least once in a lifetime and why? The Grand Canyon, Mm. Yosemite, the flat plains of Wyoming, the Tetons. And this is why, if you're a North American, to understand other cultures, you need to know our own. You need to go into a cowboy bar, (laughs) you know, in Cody, Wyoming. You need to see the vast expanse of the Grand Canyon. How many Americans have traveled the world and haven't seen the Grand Canyon? Right. Yosemite, to understand John Muir and why he wanted to save such incredible beauty. Yeah. 
That's I know great. you expected me to say the Eiffel Tower or, you know, no. Petra and Jordan. <laughs> yes, yes, all those are uh, also. But yeah. uh, I think uh, start close to home. <laughs> I agree. All of my family's from the Southwest, so we oh, did all okay. of those as well. Really got that travel bug in me. And uh-huh. Natural. Uh, and, and if you're young, hike all the way down in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, I still need to do that, too. What and where was the most memorable meal you've had while traveling? Oh, I was trekking in northern Thailand. And our red tie guide, we met uh, these these fellows that just kind of came through the jungle, and they had hand carved rifles. I'm sure they were part of the the you know the golden triangle yeah. opium whatever. And our guide traded cigarettes, and they had widgety grubs oh, no. from a bamboo tree. <laughs> they grow in like a jelly inside the bamboo, and so that night we had fried widgety grubs. How is that? Oh, it's like oysters. They're very rich. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take your word for that. (laughs) Oh, my. What was your most nerve-wracking experience on the road, and how could other travelers avoid it? It could be the one that you just said. Yeah, that's happened a couple times. My husband and I, before we got married, we had a shakedown trip to see if we were really compatible. So Uh we went to a country neither of us had been to, Peru. We did not make any plans in advance, and neither of us spoke the language. Mm -hmm. And we were going uh, up to the Nazca lines, and bandits stopped us on the road. They put a big log across the road, and I was wearing a ring that my mother had given me. I remember putting that down my underwear, Mm -hmm. and we were prepared to hand over watches and some cash, etc. And we had a, a great driver. He just paid a bribe and we went through wow things like that you know it's nerve-wracking I was in Greece when there were riots recently yeah just stay away from it Mm -hmm. if a country's in a revolution don't go yeah (laughs) it's it's like when the the riots were in an an area of Athens I wouldn't go in it was downtown and if you're out in the islands it's you wouldn't even know it was happening but your whole family saying oh my gosh are you all right you should get out of there Uh, because of the sensational news that uh yeah it's broadcast yeah and um you know flying just traveling can be nerve-wracking we all know that you know you gotta have a good book or good music yeah (laughs) treat yourself I always carry chocolate When things get tough, I eat my chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) What passport stamp still eludes you? Antarctica. Me too. I want to go to Antarctica. In fact, I have a trip planned a year from today with Quark Expedition, small ship. I am so excited. Uh, The only thing I'd plan a year in advance, but next January, and I'm in a kayak. Yes, kayak, and I'm going to be able to camp for the night on the Antarctic Peninsula. Isn't that exciting? That is so exciting. Yeah. You know, as a Tennessee traveler, I have to keep pushing those limits. Yeah. So that I that has eluded me. That is one of my last bucket list things. I can't After wait to hear about After 90 countries, that. six continents, it'll finally be the seventh. Oh, good job. Yeah. What is your most cherished souvenir and why? Oh, my husband. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and why? Because he never tried to change me. He loves me just for who I am. Yeah. And, uh, and vice versa. What's the most interesting custom or tradition you discovered abroad, and did you bring it back home? I've always, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia and in Buddhist countries. Mm-hmm. I've meditated for a month at Bodh Gaya in India, etc. And uh, I was in Thailand, and I've always liked those spirit houses yeah. that they have. It's like an altar. They have it outside of every home. Every You'll see them in the restaurants. And the old ones are wood. They look like a little house with a, a wood ceiling and different rooms. And 
My mother passed away when I was in Bangkok. I knew she was going to. She'd already gone into a coma. I'd said goodbye. I was with my daughters, and they said, Mom, you've always loved those spirit houses. Let's find one for you. So we hunted everywhere and bought a beautiful little wooden spirit house. I brought it back, and I have filled the rooms with things that she loved a rose, a Tootsie Roll, pictures of her. Now my dad's passed away, I have pictures of him, and I put it under the tree at Christmas. And I feel that in, in many ways, it's my way of staying connected. And I love that, you know, the, the Thai people and their, their worship and their, their respect for the elders. I love that. Do you mind if I start doing that myself? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, the Day of the Dead, a lot of, as you know, Mexicans do. Yeah. They have a table and all yeah. of that. And I have friends in San Francisco that do that. Huh. And you change the things that are in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm going to start that. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> What's your biggest piece of advice for aspiring travelers? Regardless of how expensive or unnecessary a trip may have seemed in the planning stages, the only trips I've ever regretted are the trips I didn't take. Yeah. Push the button. Go ahead. Buy that airfare. Because you only have one life, mm. and you should live it mm. to its fullest in the way you want to, so you have no regrets. Mm. And what's the most profound lesson you've learned around the world? Humility. <sighs> That's great. Well, Mary Beth, that says it all. Yeah, it does. It really does. Uh-huh. I am so excited to keep yeah. reading about your bucket list items, your check off. Oh, we'll keep coming back to Getsy Traveler. <laughs> I promise you I'll have all sorts of stuff up there. Uh, and maybe you'll do a guest post for me. I would love that. I'd love it too. I would do. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay. Didn't I tell you Mary Beth is inspiring? Make sure to check out her website, GetsyTraveler.com, which is chock full of safety tips for solo women travelers, and also articles and info for the general traveler as well. In fact, after our interview, I did take Mary Beth up on her offer to write a guest blog post for her site, so you can find my article there entitled, How to Volunteer Around the World in Exchange for Room and Board, and Lessons Learned Along the Way. So keep an eye out for more of Mary Beth's bucket list items that she's checking off by following her on Twitter at Gutsy Traveler. And thanks for listening. Until next time, get out there and set the world on fire.